This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio. The title of the book, The Four Gates, a saga of the human being and the path from the pit of despair to the realm of fulfillment, from confusion to clarity, culminating in the deepest realization. And the author is Dr. Erhard Vogel in Dr. Vogel joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. Great to uh, have you with us, Dr. Vogel. Yes. Well, first of all, let's start with the purpose of this book. Why did you write it? What was the motivation? Well, um, I was living in a cave in the Himalayas for an extended period of time in complete silence, uh, an experience of beautiful clarity, and just... Everything I ever wanted was was in my experience, and I feel felt this deep joy. In fact, that's where the word bliss would come in. And I thought the thought came to me about people at home and how much suffering of anxiety and fear and depression is characteristic in many parts of our world, and this suffering is completely unnecessary if people just would know how to and what to actually do. So I'm not talking about some, you know, uh, learning some belief system now, but I'm talking about learning actual ways of being that people can institute to live full of vitality and joy and positivity and real success. And that is in relationship with themselves as well as everyone and everything around them. So that's why I felt a need to return to my culture here in the U.S. and demonstrate through direct experience and through living the life of driving cars, paying taxes and so on, how to live with all those circumstances and conditions but with self-empowerment and being self-directed toward your success and your fulfillment. So this particular book comes from a series of talks I gave when a person who was probably the greatest living sage of his time, a luminous person, who had been a friend of mine for over 30 years, he came to visit me at our ashram, Nataraja Ashram. So... Wherever he went, a large international following would attend. So we, we split our, it was a, a week-long residential retreat, and we split our duties. I would teach in the morning, he in the afternoon, next day, vice versa, and so on. So when it came to giving my first teaching, uh, I sat down in front of all those people from all over the world, and... I didn't know any of them. So I thought to myself, 
what do I say to them that starts out <clears throat> with the most fundamental knowledge they need in order to live meaningfully and successfully? So it occurred to me, and I said to them, some people like to gain knowledge through just plain fact. Others through a story. So I'll tell you a story of fact. So I made up, while I'm talking to them, I made up the saga of somebody who lives in a realm of despair and murkiness, lack of color, joy. And in that despair, she eventually scrambles out of the hole and sees in the distance a realm of color and beauty and wonder. And this inspires him to make the trek there. And then when he finally gets there, he finds difficulty how to enter. And a guide shows up. Now, you may have noticed I'm, I'm using he and she interchangeably here as it is in the book as well, because this is beyond genders. So the guide leads her through four stages of learning and development in order to find the realm in which he or she is completely at home and fulfilled. Thus the title of the book, The Four Gates. Who does the book appeal to, Dr. Vogel, and why? Well, this book is really a detailed roadmap that every human being needs. Because, you know what, we all want to learn to live true to ourselves, to direct our life according to its meaning and purpose. Thus, it's really fundamental to everyone. And actually, it should be taught to children as soon as they have enough basic language, as well as all adults. This book is for everyone. Anyone can learn to consciously direct their life to real success and real fulfillment. No matter what your religion, where you come from, or where you're going. If you really want to take charge of your life. What would be just one thing you want readers to learn from your book? Just one thing? Oh, there's so many. Well, I tell you, I think fundamentally, I think what I'd like them to come away with is that they are really worthy of the attentiveness to be related to by themselves with utmost respect, with expertise, with unconditional acceptance, with love. If they get that, they will immensely enhance their lives. Tell us more about this main character or scenes that you would like to uh, highlight during this interview. Mm. Well, there are uh, quite a few uh, scenes and characters. Well, the first scene is when, in this evolutionary tale, this person that we call the Wanderer, because she goes on this quest, lives in the world of murk, stuck in despair, a deep pit of despair. And one day he sees in the distance a realm of beauty and vibrant life and determines to go there. So we have to first determine to get ourselves out of the pit of despair. 
And at the border, he meets this guide who helps him enter this oil realm. And once he has entered, he, he knows right away he has finally found his home, where he's meant to be. At times, the scene is of his progress. At the other t times, it's of his resistances that keep him from fulfillment, or at least try to. And also the scenes of how she overcomes those resistances. So the characters are the wanderer who becomes the expert at fulfilling herself in this life. She's the hero, as well as the villain at times, in this epic inner quest. Yeah? Uh, the guide, he's at the same time, looks, seems common, but is extraordinary. He's the example of how we can relate to ourselves, as well as to others, with respect, relating to ourselves with respect, with trust, with love. And the king or queen, they symbolize the ideal being we all want to realize. Places, well, there's first the realm of Merck, gray and lifeless, full of confusion, anger, anxiety, depression, all of which are so endemic in our time. That's where many of us live. The royal realm is the realm of beauty and clarity, success, harmony, health, self-realization. The gates, there are four gates. One is of knowledge, mostly knowledge of self, then the science of self. So becoming really an expert at knowing yourself. The meditation of action, the meditation of action, and culminating in love and devotion. There is one more place, the inner court of the royal realm. This is our final evolutionary destination. Here we are freed from lack and need, from limitation and separateness and the consequent loneliness. We are really at home, permanently fulfilled. Those are the places and the characters. How would you introduce your book in a sentence or two, just in summation, if you were sharing with a friend? I'd say, here, read it. <laughs> Experience it. The, the Four Gates illustrates and. Again, very important, it provides an experience. It's so written that you, you go along and experience and thereby evolve to the path of self-understanding, clarity, and final, that is lasting, fulfillment through the wonderful and indispensable relationship with a real teacher that leads to a successful and caring relationship with yourself. The story brings you detailed points of knowledge that guide you on this path through living according to your true identity and thereby freeing yourself from the self-imposed limitations that curtail life. Tell us how this book is unlike others with similar topics. What really sets it apart? Well, first of all, this book is carefully constructed to stimulate direct experience in the reader. Experience of deep 
fundamental knowledge, not belief, but the kind of knowledge where you can say, I know this is so because I've experienced it even while I was going through this. And this knowledge we need to conduct our lives meaningfully and successfully. It's an evolutionary device for the reader. The book is written from the writer's direct experience, not hearsay or belief or someone else's opinion. And it cultivates the direct experience of the reader. So it is to be experienced deeply within where the recognition of inner truth resides. This allows the reader to discover their true being for themselves and how to live true to that successfully. So more than a story and even more than a teaching, it can be a catalyst for the most meaningful personal transformation. The writing's simple, direct honesty sheds light on your capacity for self-realization. It touches your heart. And it reveals to you a fresh, uncomplicated approach to a life that really works. So in this time, you know, there's so much talk about meditation and body-mind-spirit connection and so on. You can find that all over in mainstream communications. It's easy to find all kinds of interesting information. It is rare, however, to find expert and personal guidance to the very substance and experience that lead to lasting fulfillment, lasting fulfillment in self-realization. So unique to this book is its realness in sharp contrast to the dogma, the superficial, the theoretical, or even fantasy that we so often find. The Four Gates is utterly straightforward, practical, authentic sharing to the greatest and deepest depths. Sharing of that about us which is beyond time and circumstance and condition. The reader experiences within a self-recognition, that real self, the limitless essence that we are. As you are carefully guided to trust self, your experience of your limitlessness and interconnectedness is without doubt. So this is not a quick fix offering superficial how-to formulae. This book offers substantive experience by which sincere readers can change their life involvement from the superficial to the substantive, from the ephemeral, the momentary, to the permanent, from the illusory to the real. And through this transformation, we find within ourselves the ability to achieve real, lasting success and fulfillment and make a positive contribution to our society and to humanity. When and where does your story take place? Mm. 
Well, the setting is not a geographical place, nor a time past, present, or future. It is relevant everywhere and all the time. Because it very distinctly addresses the human condition in all places and all times. Again, to sum up this work, this great story, what three words would best describe it and describe the characters? Wow. You only want to challenge me, don't you? Please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could say the story is engaging. You really get involved. You participate. So it's experiential. And it's universal. It's applicable to everyone, everywhere, all the time. And I'd like to add one fourth point, if I may. It's also uniquely effective. It works. The characters evoke recognition of deepest experience within each one of us. Whether we're wanting or waiting for that consciously now. What would you say was the most challenging part about writing your book, uh, even the most fun and rewarding part? Hmm. Well, I consider words as beautiful means of clarifying the world, including our ideas and thoughts and feelings, clarifying them to myself and also to each other. That is what I'm doing with the reader. And that's the great fun for me. I aim to represent the beauty and strength of truth, reality, with words that do it full justice and stimulate growth, not only in the use of language, but also in the ability to experience on subtler and more expansive levels. So the challenge doesn't lie in the words. We all know the words used here. But in the way they are applied, it's a thoroughly focused mode, stream of consciousness, experiencing the meaning these thoughts convey stimulates a steady growth of focus and understanding in your mind. Doesn't everyone want that? I believe we do. And in just wrapping up our discussion, Dr. Vogel, is there anything we haven't covered here that you feel is important for people to know about your book? Well, I, I feel I am assured, and I've heard this from people who've read it now, the sincerely focused reader will experience knowledge that has been an integral part of the human experience for ages, but is so much forgotten. When you allow this experience to sink in and become part of you, you'll accomplish a deep-reaching transformation within yourself. Following the loving guidance offered here, you can evolve along with the wanderer. So the story of the wanderer is the story of each one of us. Dr. Vogel, what's the best way to get your book? Uh, Well, it's available through iUniverse, which you can find on the Internet, as well as uh, Amazon 
It's on Kindle and Nook. Uh, you can even uh, request it from the ashram. So those are the ways. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Dr. Vogel, with your book, The Four Gates, on iUniverse Radio. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure to talk with you. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio. The title of the book Get Skinny, The Organic Way. And the author is Andrew J. Fox, and Andrew joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Steve. How are you today? Doing great, but I know I could be doing greater if I would just follow your book. (laughs) (laughs) We all want to get skinny, but this isn't about just losing weight. This is about obtaining that body that is stronger, leaner, healthier. That's what this is all about. It's a it's the healthy you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is true. You have a, a book full of recipes from dessert to uh, entrees to breakfast. It's just filled with all kinds of the needed kind of help that we so need because we often don't know where to start. And that's what we wanted to do is inspire people to true health, that, that health that we were all designed and created to enjoy. Uh, we wanted to show people that uh, cooking can be fun, can be easy. It doesn't have to take up too much time. And the more you do it, the better you get. You just have to get started somewhere. Well, before we get into some of the specifics and share with us a few of your rules of living and eating, I yes. see throughout your book as well as some of your recipes, Tell us a little bit about your background and how this book all came about. All right. Um, Well, my background, you know, I grew up and I was unhealthy like most other people are. I played a little bit of sports, and in those sports, they allowed us to, you know, eat as much food as we'd like because we were doing two-a-days practices and training sessions as well as playing games. So, you know, once uh, I got injured or I stopped playing sports, you keep on eating that way, and uh, that soon came and caught up with me. So, um, you know, that led me to start reading diet books, start reading cookbooks, um, to start learning more about nutrition and, um, you know, how our bodies are meant to, you know, thrive, get healthy, strong, lean, the things that everyone is looking for nowadays, um, which led me to a career starting as a personal trainer when I was 19. 
and uh, you know I started working with people and I, I just noticed that they weren't getting the results and I know that my workouts were really on point they were really solid workouts and uh, I would see them sweating and they would be just working really hard and they weren't getting those results so I started uh, you know asking some of my clients what they ate and you come to find out that these people knew nothing about nutrition but then you look out there at all the different trends and fads and gimmicks that uh, you know lead us in our nutrition and you kind of understand why so I went to school for um, you know for nutrition specifically so I have a holistic doctorate in uh, nutrition I'm a holistic healthcare practitioner I hold a master's in exercise science and health promotion and I'm also a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the National Strength and Conditioning Association well, it sounds like you're the type of person we ought to listen to <laughs> and read your book. You know, as a as a person who has been so heavily focused all your life, when you deal with regular folks like like me who, you know, want to overcome uh, habits, overcome the frustrations that just beset us because we look in the mirror sure. and go, oh my goodness. What? You know, so yes. what is the best way to start? I mean, you talk a lot about organic. Right. And that's definitely something we're all going to have to be aware of. But first and foremost, Steve, you know, we need to start taking responsibility for our health. And I think that is why we're in the situation that we are nowadays. That's why we see so many people not enjoying the health that your body wants to enjoy. Your body was built to be strong and beautiful and healthy and fast and all these different things. And when you see people that aren't, I want to let people know that they're fighting nature. You're fighting how you were created to be. So the number one thing that is most important that I would like to get across or the easiest place to start would just be focusing on the quality of your food. Uh, we all want quality in life, but if you look at our food nowadays, it lacks one major thing, and that thing is quality. Now, there's a lot of studies and statistics out there, and I'm not a fan of a lot of them just because how they're performed, but I was in a laboratory, and I tested food myself and the nutritional density of food, and I can tell you that we found routinely that organic foods had much more nutritional density than non-organic foods. So that's your body wants nutrition. Your body wants nutrients, and a lot of our foods nowadays being processed, they're not nutritionally dense. They're stripped. So that causes us to eat more and also fills us up with empty calories, and it leaves us not feeling good. So the number one thing I would like people to start focusing on is quality. And with quality, you may have to pay more, but as someone said to me that I've never forgotten, you either pay now or you pay later. Isn't that the truth? Yes, sir. Yes. It's so easy to get off track. We're hungry. We're in a hurry. We drive through, uh, you know, the fast food drive through and get something that really isn't good for us. But, uh, sure. you know, we just have to learn to change our thinking, don't we, and change yes. our habits. You know, I love that you said that. Um, and it starts with, you know, how you think. But even more so, I think people don't have um, – I, I always tell my clients – it's so important to plan ahead, but it's even more important to have something to plan from. And, you know, once you have this book or a cookbook or and you start taking responsibility for your own health, your own meals, you start packing your own lunch, but now you know what to pack. Now you know what to make for breakfast. Now you know where to start. And then so after you have the book, then you can start planning ahead and the results you're going to get are going to be, you know, will really, really astound you. 
Well, your book is laid out with breakfast, snacks and starters, lunches and dinners, sides, desserts. It also, though, gives us how to use this book, which is so important. So what what is the best way to use your book? The way I would recommend to use the book is as a guideline. So I recommend for people, just like when I do the nutritional programs, to just get close. Just get as close as you can because it's already going to be a big difference than the way you were eating and were cooking before. Let's talk about some of your different recipes. Why don't you give us one of your favorites for breakfast? (laughs) You know, one of my favorites for breakfast has to be my mom's French toast. So uh, what we did is we went in and decided, you know, said a lot of people like French toast. It's quick. It's easy. And let's see what they're doing. So all we did was kind of change the quality. And then as a nutritionist, I come in and I change a lot of the ratios um, of how much fat there is versus how much carbs versus how much protein. So we just change the quality thereof. So it's a quick, easy recipe that is tasty and delicious. So that has to be one of my favorites, but just because because it's my mom's. (laughs) Well, you put your special twist on it, and that's what makes it healthy. Now, Snacks, that's part of our way of life. Yes, it is, yes. Give us some tips on snacks. You know, with snacks, the one thing that I don't see a lot of clients eating enough of is has to be vegetables, Steve. So, you know, the FDA even says that adults should require six to eight servings of vegetables a day, and I personally recommend eight to 12. So just because of the nutritional density of our food. So I always recommend some kind of vegetables and hummus or maybe a, you know some kind of a, the, the yogurt dip that we have in there, my grandmother's dill dip. Uh, I think it's called Baba's Dill Dip in the, in the book. It's great. Anything you can pair up with some vegetables, not only will it satiate you because of the water and the fiber, but also because we added a little protein in there too. So it's the perfect nutrition snack. Now, to get started with a new program like this, we probably need a one step at a time to find what really works for us. Yes. What I would recommend people doing in that respect, Steve, is to look at the recipes that you're already making at home. So let's say if you're already making the huevos rancheros at home or if you're already making some kind of chicken salad or salmon salad or the vegetable fried rice, look for things that you're doing already in the book. And then try to implement the little changes, the little subtle changes that I'm asking for the people to do for their health. Give us a lunch favorite. You know, the lunch favorite for me, I have to say, are sandwiches. I'm a big fan of sandwiches because they're quick, they're easy, and they're perfectly balanced. You have your carbohydrates, you can stuff a ton of vegetables in there, and you get your protein also. It's a portable. You can make them and then take them. Uh, you can put it in a little cooler, and you can save it for later. I'm a big fan of the sandwich. You have a section on sides, as you call them, sides. Now, give us some ideas yes. there. I, I must say, something that's very popular in restaurants nowadays are Brussels sprouts, the roasted Brussels sprouts, and it happens to be one of my wife's absolute favorites. So whenever we go out to a restaurant, the amount of oil that they're putting on those vegetables is just, it's, it's far too much. It's, uh, so something that I like to do is teach people how to do it in a better way for themselves because I don't want to steer them away from eating vegetables. So that has to be one that we do uh, at our household often just, just because my wife loves it. And, of course, we can't ignore dessert. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you know, the one thing about dessert, Steve, is there's too much sugar, there's too much fat in a lot of desserts. So even the place where you can go get an organic oatmeal cookie, you'd be better off making one from the book because we cut the sugar, we cut the fat, but you're going to get all the flavor and taste. You're going to get satisfaction because you're getting nutritional density in the food that you're eating. And that's really, once again, it's what your body wants. And that's the most important thing to be remembering here. Our body was made for this way of cooking and eating. Absolutely. What is the best way to get your book? The best way to get the book is through our own website. It's also going to be available at, on Amazon. So I think those are the most convenient uh, ways for people to get the book. Our website is truelifefitness.us, but also the book can be found on Amazon. It's going to be in local bookstores, so it will be in Barnes and & Nobles and places like that. Do we need special utensils of any kind to eat this way? You know, as long as you have a couple pots, a couple pans, just the basics, I think you'll be okay. We do have a list of recommended utensils that people have, but, you know, I've made do for a long time uh, with, you know, just a large skillet, and I've kind of cooked everything in there from the pancakes in the morning to my vegetable fried rice to the lo mein. Um, you can get a lot done with one large pan. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for helping us understand how to get skinny the organic way the title of your book yes my pleasure thank you so much for having me steve you're listening to iUniverse radio we'll be back right after these messages ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio. Greetings from iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Upside Down, How Can We Avoid Becoming the United States of China? Subtitled, Freedom Cannot Exist in the Absence of Truth. And joining me from Colorado in the United States of America is my author, Dan Meyer. Welcome, Dan, to the program. Thank you, sir. Good to be with you this morning. Yes, in the uh, preamble to your book, if I, if I may, may call it that, uh, one paragraph st- stood out to me, and I will read this and then let you comment on it. It's uh, taken from another author from the 1920s. The recepti- receptivity of the great masses is very limited. <laughs> their intelligence is small, but their power of forgetting is enormous. In consequence of, this, of these facts, all effective propaganda must be limited to a very few points and must harp on these slogans until the last member of the public understands 
understands what you want him to understand by your slogan. And on it goes. That sounds uh, maybe a little bit uh, similar to what's happening in today's society. Who was the author of that particular statement? Well, uh, thanks for that uh, terrific setup. The author was a guy named Adolf Hitler. Mm. Uh, He wrote Mein Kampf, My Struggle, in 1925, I believe, while he was in jail. Right. And I think we have a a couple of politicians in the United States who might want to uh, visit a cell block shortly, but uh, we (laughs) won't get into that in any detail. But it it is reflective of uh, the problems we face today. Uh, we have a, a government that uh, is in bed with our media, uh, our mainstream media, uh, and the government started to get in bed around 1914, 15, 16, mm-hmm. during the Woodrow Wilson era. Wilson ran for president on the promise that he would not involve the United States in World War One. Unfortunately, the United States armaments manufacturers had about $6 billion in debt that would never be repaid unless the United States entered World War One, and so we did. This is all contained in Chapter 1 of my book, which in, is, is titled The First Obstacle to Restoring Government of By and For the People is Finding the Truth. Uh, you have subtitled this also, How We Can Avoid Becoming the un- United States of China. Now, there are some candidates out there who have uh, spoken verily, uh, very uh, very broadly about this very thing. Is this an extension of their thoughts, or how would you describe your subtitle? My subtitle can be taken literally or figuratively. I believe 3 to $4 trillion in current debt to the People's Republic of China is a very serious issue. I believe the debtor is always slave to the lender. Mm. And uh, if, if we are not somehow conquered either through war or through attrition by selling off one asset and one acre at a time of the United States to the People's Republic of China, we could in fact end up being worse than the People's Republic of China as far as oppression of the people if we let our big government tyranny continue to run out of control and out of check as it is today. Would you describe yourself as a conservative? It sort of sounds that way. Yes, I, I, I am a conservative, but I want everybody to understand that I'm not a, a step-and-fetch conservative or a step-and-fetch Democrat. I'm actually a registered Democrat who worked for the Obama campaign in 2008 and regrets mm. that because I wanted real change after Bush-Cheney. So I'm more of an independent-slash-libertarian, I guess, at heart. Right. You have a background in industry, and yet uh, there has been a fascination with politics and with economics. Where did that that interest come from? It really came uh, in about 2006, 7, 8. I began writing a series of emails to Congress uh, expressing my concerns as just a, a patriotic average middle-class citizen about the power in Washington, D.C. and the unresponsive nature of big government, big centralized government that is uh, sort of in, by definition, unconstitutional in nature. It seemed to me as though we had government telling us that everybody could buy a house. We had uh, an administration that repealed the Glass-Steagall Act that banned derivatives from our financial system. 
we, it seemed to me like over the past two decades, everything central government in Washington, D.C. had done was either completely inept or malicious on purpose to try to take power away from we the people. So that was my concern. That's how this whole thing started. The book started as a compilation of all the emails I had written, and I had written hundreds. So it started as a hot mess that I took. It took me seven years to reorganize and rewrite so that it was somewhat readable, I hope, and made sense to the public. You have also highlighted the unemployment aspects of uh, what's happening in our culture. Those, you say, have been um, manipulated. Uh, do you think other things have been manipulated to, to get people on board with certain, uh, certain decisions or, or focuses of the government? I think going back about 100 years again, back to World War I, the whole public has been manipulated to varying degrees to get us to do things that if we knew the truth, we would never, never approve of. And so uh, big government and media are now bedfellows, and their mission has sort of evolved into from what were, was, let's say, a worthy cause of fighting World War II, which was a very worthy cause, perhaps the last legitimate war the United States was involved in, but that's my opinion. It's evolved into this self-preserving agreement that government covers for media, media covers for government, and we are finding ourselves in the middle of uh, what George Orwell predicted in 1984, would happen where history is rewritten, rewritten every day. Politician makes a statement and then says uh, the next day, that's not what I meant to say. This is mm -hmm. what I meant to say. And it, it's hard to believe employment figures like uh, was your original question. Yes. Because even the employment, unemployment, I should say, doesn't take into account workers who have stopped seeking jobs out of sheer frustration because there's no middle class jobs left. Mm. So my question throughout the book is, what can we believe? Why does the government insist on lying to us? And, and I think it's safe to say, given our current situation where every media outlet is 24-7 talking about the world, word politics, which to me is the practice of lying and deceiving the American people, it's safe to say that it's we're kind of in that Orwellian abyss where we, the people, can't find the truth. That's what's frightening to me. Very difficult. You've uh, broken your book down 250 pages approximately into three specific parts. One is the search for truth, in which you uh, deal with uh, some of the current things that have happened in the last, uh, say, 20, 25 years. And right. then part two, the Orwellian threat, which you have just highlighted. And the thing that's uh, positive about your book and also uh, refreshing is the fact that you have solutions that you have outlined. Now, in the three parts, what is your hope for the reader? What are you wanting to inspire them to do? I hope that the, the book is 280 pages, 117,000 words, and in all of that, uh, I spend about 80% of the book defining the problem. And without understanding the problem, the solutions I present have no credibility. So it's a credibility exercise for me as an author, and the actions I hope people will take are to write to your Congress people, and uh, we need a couple of things. We need about eight things, including tort reform and 
getting the legal system uh, out of our lives is uh, where somebody can file a frivolous lawsuit and blackmail you because they have more money than you do and on and on and on. But it's really critical that with $19 trillion in nation-killing debt, we have a balanced budget amendment with a spending cap. It's very critical and uh, seemingly impossible, but I don't think it is, to get Congress to impose term limits on itself. I, I have included a pledge by any future candidate for Congress to resign in, in no less than six years, no more than six years. Hmm. And Chapter 8 is a uh, two-pronged candidate litmus test that has very specific things we the people can and must do. We need to pick up our pens and phones and uh, tell Congress in a way that even Washington can understand that we've had enough. And I, I think that the current movement toward unconventional, non-political business people like Donald Trump is evidence that we the people have had it mm. and we need real change not just uh, a mockery of change as as Obama promised in 2008 and I and other good people fell for his disingenuous pleas for real change his real change is nothing but more politics and more career politicians and bigger government and more debt more enslaving debt so my solutions of, of a balanced budget amendment and term limits for Congress, among other things, uh, are what I hope people will take from the book, and I hope they won't sit on their hands. I hope that uh, the American public will actively get involved, and uh, not just because I said so or because your neighbor said so, but because through the 117,000 words in this book, the reader will understand why this has to happen and why it has to happen now. Why do you think the Founding Fathers were concerned about the uh, intrusion of big government or government huh. into the lives of the individual? That's a, that's a great question. And it's a question that, surprising, a lot of people don't understand. You have to put yourself in their shoes. They were under an oppressive British monarchy, the British troops had the right to come into your home mm. and uh, arrest you and confiscate whatever they felt like eating or drinking or taking, including, you know, women and children. Ouch. And our 13 colonies uh, also could not get our own currency, so the Central Bank of England uh, was getting everything that was done in the colonies as far as trade. So our founding fathers said, that's enough. We have to uh, part from King George. They wrote the, the Declaration of Independence, which is nothing more than a list of grievances mm -hmm. and, and legitimization for, for the Revolutionary War, which followed. And we, the people, have to understand that our founding fathers weren't a bunch of numbskulls. These were very brilliant people who uh, understood the downside of living under bondage, and, and this bondage was the British government, an oppressive government, and a, a monarchy, uh, which Barack Obama has tried to reinstate in the United States. Right. And, and so they just said, our founding fathers said enough, and they wanted to write a constitution, which my book wholeheartedly defends, that is aimed at one thing, and one thing only, and that is keeping we the people free. And if 
we want to remain free, we had better abide by and uphold our Constitution and elect officials to serve us, not be politicians and not serve themselves in Washington, D.C. Well, the foundation of the United States was uh, that the government was to be, I guess, administrated by every man, not, not by politicians or career people, but by the farmer down the road and by the average guy. That has certainly been set aside, has it not? Well, yes, it has. You know, corporate America has 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 gone wrong. I'm, I'm not anti-business. I'm a capitalist at heart. I know that the only sustainable uh, tax revenue into the Treasury is, is from private enterprise, not, not government. But at the same time, a, uh, and I don't want to pick on anybody in particular, but a, a senator, let's say, that stays in the Senate for 50 or 60 years has been bought and paid for over those 50 or 60 years. Right. And I think uh, I did a count, and something like two-thirds of Congress, don't hold me to that, but it's a very high number, I think it's a, at least over half, are attorneys, and attorneys are trained to take both sides of an issue and argue. Mm -hmm. Why in the world will we want a Congress based on attorneys and not business people? The only sustainable part of the American economy is the private sector. And to not have representation in, in Congress by members of the private sector is, in my mind, economic suicide and results in things like a $19 trillion debt. Incredible. Now, the title again is Upside Down, How We Can Avoid Becoming the United States of China. Dan, share with my listeners a little of uh, your hopes for this book. Who do you think is going to find this provocative reading, not only that, but also challenge maybe their current thinking? What, what is your goal with this book? I think 240 million registered voters in the United States should pick it up and read it. That's just me. Uh, well, I, I think the, I would too, the, yeah. <laughs> The target audience, those who will not be offended, and I, I'm not in the business of not offending. Uh, I am in the business of telling the truth. There are 52 million independent-minded voters. Some are registered independents. Some are fed up with Democrats, and some are fed up with Republican red tape and bureaucracy. But these 52 million Americans decide elections. They swing one way or the other. They're not always registered independent. I think 40 million of them are. Another 12 million are, are of, of one party or, or another, but they vote not for the party, but for the person running. Right. And the credentials of the person running. And, and I'm not trying to be arrogant, but this book is for all voters to read and digest and think about because our freedom is at stake. Uh, I think we're all aware of this. I hope we're all aware of this. $19 trillion in debt is unsustainable. Uh, a shrinking industrial base is unsustainable. Uh, a military that has a budget of $689 billion is silly, but I am not anti-military. I am pro-efficient, strong military with a missile defense system that will keep nukes from hitting L.A. or Chicago or Washington. Mm. I, I, you know, the the whole thing, the whole book is is written to alert the American public that there are very simple common sense solutions to things we have let spiral out of control since World War II because we've had it so good. This is true. This is true. Dan, thank you for sharing your thoughts on this. Again, the title is Upside Down. 
How We Can Avoid Becoming the United States of China. Dan, my listeners will need to get a copy of this, all 245 million of them. Where can they get one? Right now it's in a pre-launch mode. They can go to iUniverse. Uh, they can buy it at Amazon.com. My website is uh, has a long name. It's www.com upside down how we can avoid the united states of china.com and they can order it there but the important thing is that when you order this book you do so and read it with an open mind and don't be shocked don't be dismayed there are things we can do to save ourselves fabulous thank you for sharing your insight and i appreciate the seven years of work that went into this and uh, the passion behind it again the title upside down how we can avoid becoming the united states of china my guest has been author dan meyer m-e-y-e-r if you're doing a search search online dan is there something else in the future another book that's uh, possibly in your heart and one you want to share well, there's there's a couple of books that could be taken out of the uh, material that I extracted from this book to make it short enough to read so it wasn't a 1,008 pages. I would like to write a, a book entitled Why Liberals Are Always Wrong. I'm sure that would make uh, radio talk show host Dennis Prager very happy, but <laughs> it, it's hard to say. I'm, uh, I'm 64 years old. I've got two beautiful grandbabies. Uh, I wrote the book to try to save their futures. So there may be one book, maybe another book. I'd like to write something uh, about the uh, race baiting and the gender baiting and all of that in the United States that is done by politicians to divide and conquer us. Hmm. But that's to be seen. Let's let's get through upside down first, and then we'll go from there. Well, thank you, Dan, for sharing your story and having the courage to share your conviction as well. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. My pleasure for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.